What's going on everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Dreams to Reality podcast and today is slightly different because our guest is Mr. Samuel Leeds. How are you doing my friend? Hey, you know what? I'm so good to be sat here with you bro. Respect, for, respect for the work that you do. Thank you and what I'm really looking forward to today, one is actually because I'm a fan of the work you do, um, more the consistency of your work and I always like when somebody says something with their chest. Does that make sense? There's yeah, no yeah. kind of 50%. You're, yeah. This is it. This is what I know. This is what we're going to do. And obviously, most guests we have on the podcast are educational, education guests and things like that. And I'm going to dive into why that is um, shortly after. But just for everybody who doesn't know, what's your elevator pitch, mate? Well, who yeah. are you? Yeah, so I'm a property investor. I'm from a working class background. So I grew up with not a lot of money. My parents split up when I was seven. And I wanted to, I, I, when I was sort of 16, 17, I just wanted to be, be free. I wanted mm. to not only have freedom to travel where I want to go, do what I want to do, financial freedom, but also to help people. Um, so started a property business, which became really successful. Mm. Now I've got a charity, Samuel Leeds Foundation. Um, go back and forth to rural parts of Africa. Wow. My wife is born and bred in Zimbabwe. We've got two beautiful children. So I've now got a property business where I make a lot of money doing that, I've been very blessed, but also I've got a training company where I mm. educate people and teach people around finances, business, mindset, wealth, real estate, investments, and we are um, we're probably the largest in the UK wealth creation education company. How old are you? 29. Let's go back 16, 17. What was, growing up, some of your personal biggest challenges as a teenage lad yeah. in Midlands? Yeah. Right. What was some of your biggest challenges, which are kind of some of the things what drive you today? Yeah. What are they? I think my challenges, I mean, I wasn't good academically. So my teachers, most of my school teachers kind of um, wrote me off, mm. really. And I think... Was in, it because you wasn't good or was it because you didn't try? I think it was both. Okay. Yeah, I think it was both. I think I didn't try because I knew I wasn't that good. And in me, in fact, that's one of the things, in me there was greatness... And because I knew I wasn't great academically, I knew I wasn't going to be the best, I then thought, oh, what's the point of even trying? Mm. And then I was just looked at as a loser. Yeah. Whereas right. in me somewhere, and I think this is the case of so many, when I go to schools now, I've even gone back to my old Have school. You? Yeah. And I've, I've run assemblies and stuff. And now when I see the kids... Look at me now, miss. Look. <laughs> but they're, they're great. Yeah, you know? I mean, you can, always, you, can, you, you can always get better and focus on the but, few but, people. But every, everybody does. Yeah. teachers genuinely care yeah, they, do. they don't earn a lot of money yeah. so they wouldn't do what they do there might be 1% of teachers who couldn't do anything else yeah. but most teachers could go and get a different job and earn yeah. a lot more money yeah. so. I think I just wasn't understood mm. you know but now when I go back to schools and stuff and I see the, 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 that, that one kid who's kind of on their own uh, maybe a bit, a bit of a mischievous yeah, short you. attention span I actually sometimes see greatness in that kid. Mm, you have you know? to. Yeah, so I think that was a struggle. And then also, um, I went to a, a very small Christian school. and we Secondary? Uh, all through, from, okay. from the age of 6 to 16. Okay, got you. And it was, it was, there was like literally 100 people in the whole school. Wow. Yeah, it was tiny. And we wore, obviously, different color uniform. So when I was coming home, I had like an hour and a half, multiple bus journeys and stuff to get home. Wow. Went to school in Warsaw. And the kids, the other school kids would pick on me because I was... I know the area well. You don't, know Warsaw I've, I've well, I've done right? quite a lot of schools in, uh, okay. so, around so that area. They, they'd pick on me because I wore a different colour mm. uniform, which I actually used to enjoy because I enjoyed fighting. So I used to almost like... Everyone else in my school would take their blazers off, mm. take their tie off and walk home. I would make a thing of... Wearing my blazer because I almost where liked that, that. Where does that come from, though? I think it was the only thing I was good at in school. I was, I was, I was, I was, I was, um, I was good in that setting. I was yeah. like, I, I can fight and I can. Whereas academically, I'm not good. So I thought, well, actually, it was something. Yeah, it was something I was good at. Interesting. What was your parents' thoughts about your relationship with school? So my parents split up when I was seven. Okay. And how my, did that affect you? It, it wasn't a good split. My up. parents split up around the same time. It as wasn't well. a good split up because you know they were they were cussing each other out and stuff. My mm. dad for years for saying was bad they stuff using about you as mom. well? Like say, I don't say, know, but I, I wouldn't like to say bad stuff about. Yeah. I mean, listen, I love my mom. I love my dad to bits, but it was it was. I'll just say it was a it was a nasty, difficult time. It was a nasty split up. And um, what did they think? My dad didn't really get involved at all. 
with, with, with school. I used to see him regularly. My mom would almost side with me and we'd just be like, oh, you know, ignore. She, she, they, they, I remember there was one school teacher who called my mom in and said that I was dealing drugs in, mm. in the school. I wasn't selling drugs. What I was doing is I was selling little magic tricks. Mm. I was buying them off, the, off my dad's market because he, he was a magician. He had a market. Wow. And I was buying them off my dad wholesale and then I was selling them retail to my mates at school. But the teachers were like, oh, I think he's selling drugs. Mm. <laughs> so um, they called my mom in, but she was like, no, he's not selling drugs. Um, I don't think he is anyway. Even the banks thought I was selling drugs. I used, I used wow. to... Um, I had a lot of paper hands. I used to make a lot of money doing entrepreneurial so, so stuff. How old was you around then? Like fifteen. Fifteen. So okay. So you was quite not money driven, but you. I was good at it. You controlled certain things. You yeah, thought, okay, I'm not it. so good in school, but I can control this area. I yeah. want freedom. I want money, and yeah. I want to do what I want to do. Um, and you said you was good at it, yeah. so you did more of that type of thing. Yeah, exactly. But then the banks asked me direct, sat me down. Where are you getting this money from? I said, oh, I'm washing cars, mm. I'm selling magic tricks, I'm doing paper rounds. And they were like, we drugs. Yeah, <laughs> drugs. I know, I've, ne- I've never, I've never no, taken all, all sold drugs. Um, but yeah, it was, it's, just, it's just an interesting, being an entrepreneur in school, I think that schools, and this would be an interesting one to see what you think, because the, the education system does not teach money. No, no. It's not in there. And not only that, but the whole message around money and business I didn't even know what it was. I didn't even know what... And my, my mom and dad are both entrepreneurial. They're self-employed. Mm. I thought you either work for someone or you work for yourself. I never yeah. understood the idea of being a business owner and having staff or being an investor and getting passive income. Like That was something completely foreign mm. to me. And it was not in school. So a kid that's naturally got that entrepreneurial flair, yeah. I feel like needs to be encouraged in schools rather than it being clamped out. Schools often teach compliance rather mm. than thinking outside the box. So um, I'm really yeah. passionate about schools and that's why I respect what you do so and much. I, I think it, from my experience, it all depends on the school. Yeah. All depends on the trust, who owns the school, what their values are. It does, but the curriculum And what they're trying to do. But there are some schools who have put money and funding behind students going out and trying to learn different things. And they would probably want to teach more money. But at the same time, it comes from top down, right? Ofsted, it comes down. Yeah. There's so many restrictions. Yeah, but, that, but that's the thing, though. Here's the so, thing. Of course, it depends on the school. And, and, mm. and there's a lot of amazing teachers out there and amazing mm. schools out there. But... The, you can't have it in the curriculum. No. Like you say, Ofsted and that. So you're almost banned from teaching You are. That's exactly money. it. And, and I think that, that it's ludicrous that you would teach people... What do you learn in school? You, in school, you learn how to get good grades to then get a good mm. job. And what's the point of a job? To get money. Well, why mm. not just skip all that and teach them money straight? Yeah. To be fair, I do talk a bit, quite a lot about money. So you can just go into any classroom and I will... What, what do you, where do you want to be in 10 years? Yeah, yeah, it's good. Sir, I want to be rich. I want to be rich. But it's like, okay, what are you doing today? What, what What's yeah. happening? And See, the, about- but that, the drive's there, right there. Yeah. Just kids, what do you want to do? I want to be a famous YouTuber. I want to be rich. I want to be a businessman. But like- there is a difference though, right? So they got those expectations. Yeah. And then they've got they got Champions League expectations, but then they got Sunday League work ethic, planning and preparation. Yeah. So then they wasn't if they're fifteen, sixteen, they're still not going out doing what you was doing when you was fifteen, sixteen. So sometimes we gotta teach them the tools and the strategies yeah. and the work ethic still. Because as you know for a fact, you ain't gonna just walk into millions. You're not gonna just walk into a house like this. It takes time, it takes yeah. effort. Agreed. And you've been doing it for fifteen odd years, mm-hmm. at least kind of creating you. The yeah. character, everything you need, the yeah, work yeah, yeah. ethic, the consistency. Yeah, you do. You so do that, that's the, the trick. Some of them, yes, you've got people like yourself who are putting in the work, they're young and you can see it. But then you've got others who want, they want more for doing less. Yeah. And it's for me, my biggest challenge, especially in my job, is trying to show them, he's, this is your expectations, this is what you're doing. There's a disconnect. Yeah. It's, it's How a, can we bring that together? Yeah. I mean, I think that you say to the kid, what do you want to achieve in life? Mm. What's your dreams? I want to be rich. I want this. I want that. Great. How are you going to get there? Mm. Um, how are you going to... What's the plan? Yeah, I got you. And then, and then in part of that plan, work out a plan. And then in part of that plan, it's going to be, okay, well, we need to work hard. We need to graft. We need to, we need to, fit, we need to add value. Why is, to, set, why is setting goals and a plan important then? Well, setting goals and a plan is important because it's like trying to play football without knowing that you need to... Without, without knowing the objective of the game. If you, if you don't know that you need to keep the ball in the net, <laughs> yeah. you just run around. And that's what people do. That's what, that was me at school. Yeah. You know, running around, people, people just run around aimlessly. Yeah, got you, gotta, you. You, you need to have a goal. 
Hmm. I like that. Because that's one just, I, say, I always talk about you can't be disciplined if you do not have a plan. And it's all about goal setting. I say you never want to be one of these adults who spend more time planning a holiday than they do their own lives. That's, right? every, that's nearly everybody. Uh, literally everybody. I'm planning a wedding but not planning a marriage. Oh. Explain. So people spend more time wow. planning the wedding than they do plan the actual marriage, i.e. the relationship, how things are going to go. Wow. That's strong. You used that one before, right? Dude, maybe. I don't, I don't recall ever, ever, ever saying that before. Dive into that more, please, actually. Just dive into that whole concept a bit more because I think it's so important. Yeah. Because I got married, what, two years ago? And it's true, the amount of effort and everything that goes into just getting married um, yeah. by the wedding, you don't really think about after. I think, it's about, I think it's also about what expectations of what people think and what people care about. People care about your wedding day. Everyone wants, oh, nice wedding day, because that's other people. But actually, yeah. it's about saying, well, what's, what, how do I create my life? Yeah. And I think people spend their whole lives trying to be liked, mm. trying to be liked, trying to please their parents, trying to please people, actually saying, what, what, what are the fundamentals for me? And that's not selfish, because if you're only able to help people if, you're, if, if you help yourself first. Mm. And I think that planning the wedding day is about perceptions, it's about what people think, it's about the photographs, it's about all this stuff. And people plan the wedding day, but don't plan the actual marriage mm. you know and, and it's the same with everything people plan the baby shower rather than the actual and the christening the rather than how to bring mm. up the kid that's fascinating what has been them creating your training programs cr- building your property portfolio what has been some of the biggest challenges you have faced on that process of, so are you talking just strictly my training company or uh, just business in general? Just throughout your life, because you're 29 years now. Say yeah. when you first started, say you got out of school, yeah. what are some of the biggest challenges you faced yeah. trying to do your own thing? I, I think probably the biggest challenges I've faced, there's been so many, um, uh, having to have patience. Sometimes there are things that just do take time. Yeah, and you. sometimes that is part of the process. If, if you've got to go from here to Edinburgh, Edinburgh in the car, it's a nine hour journey. <laughs> That's it. And in the same way, you want to lose weight. I like that. It's a journey. You yeah. want to become a millionaire. It's a journey. I like and that. as entrepreneurs, we want things fast. So I think that for me is sometimes a challenge because I just want things immediately. But it's about having... And that's a good thing. Being impatient is a good thing as long as um, you're aware of it and you use it as a good thing. So I think that's one thing. I think another thing is um, being misunderstood. Um, it's very easy as an entrepreneur and as I think you're massively misunderstood as well um, from everything I've seen that's why I wanted this interview today as well is because people criticise you a lot but all you do is keep bouncing back yeah you keep coming back you're so resilient and you don't give well, you, you don't give the people the time of day or the energy they want and you use it to your advantage I think that's absolutely unreal right because a teenager might not get enough likes on their picture so they delete it yeah. Right. Somebody might start want to start a business, but they care what their mum thinks, so they're not going to do it. Right. And then here's people who are actively trying to go out and destroy you, and you just use it. It's like it's like adding fuel to the fire. Yeah. And you just keep bouncing back, bouncing back, and I have to admire it. Right. I, I just think it's absolutely insane. How, where does that come from, right? Where does that come from? Because sometimes people are going to take it personal, yeah. but it doesn't seem like you do. It's like you can disconnect it yeah. and keep moving forward. Where does that come from? I think all my life I've been misunderstood. Right going back to school, and I'm quite, I'm quite okay with that. And I'm also quite okay with not being liked as well. Okay. Most people are going back to the wedding day. Why do they prepare for the wedding but not the marriage? It's because the wedding day, everyone can, everyone can see that and... And it's for other people. You're popular. Yeah, they want to be popular, want to be liked. Um, and even in my training business, I care, I care about the goal. So my training company, the goal is to see people's lives and finances mm. revolutionized. That's the goal. The goal is not for me to be liked. Mm. So I think it's just staying focused and, and pressed on for the goal. Also my faith as well. I've got a strong faith. And I think for me, that's also really, really important and fundamental. But yeah, I do bounce back. And not even bounce back because I don't even yeah. I don't even feel like I got knocked down. I'm just like I know it's it crazy. just it, it, it's it's water off a duck's back for me. It's just it just bounces off me. I don't bounce that that bounces. It just bounces off me. Is that 100 percent real though? 
That's 100% so, real. Because I'll be honest, if, if I had as much sometimes criticism <laughs> you got, it, I'm quite sensitive. Yeah. Despite my upbringing, despite being kind of quite rough when I was little, I love yeah. fighting as well, but I'm still quite sensitive. Yeah. Um, nah, nah. I'm, I, you asked my wife, I'm very, very cool and it does not... That's amazing. It doesn't... I mean, listen... Does it ever, does it ever, like, the, 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 there's a line, sometimes if people really overstep the line, there's a line, you know, where things are really unjust, or it's like, that's really not right. People bringing my family into stuff, and mm. that's not cool. But getting criticised and stuff online is, is, is just part, part and parcel of it. process. That's part of the process. Yeah. You can't take the heat, you better get out of the kitchen. Mm. And that's it. You, you, so, and spe- especially, here's the thing, right, Cam, I'm trying to, change the way people think. I'm trying to open people up into a whole new world of thinking around finance and around what they can achieve. There's not one person in the whole of history that's changed the way people think on the planet that has not been ridiculed. Wow. It just isn't. Explain. That's amazing. Well, I mean, you name one person that's, that, that's left the world better than they found it, that's a legend. That's, I mean, you name one person, um, Gandhi, um, Martin Luther King, Jesus. Mm. I mean, they crucified Jesus. Mm. So how can you expect to be a pioneer for something, be a business leader and, and be changing the way people think and not be ridiculed? It's just, it's wow. not going to happen. That's crazy. I love that. You want to be liked, then you just entertain people. Yeah. If you're an entertainer, you'll be liked. If you're a, a thought leader, if you're an ambassador for change, if you are... If you're changing things, people don't mm. like change. And it, when I'm talking about finances and I'm saying, actually, I'm born from nothing and I became a millionaire and here's what I did and here's the way I think. And I'm, it suddenly takes people's excuses away because they're like, oh, man, you no, know, no, no, you must have been given it. You must have been given a handout because mm. I'm exposing people. I'm saying, actually, you can have whatever you want. There's no excuses. I'm taking, I'm taking away people's excuses. And this is one of the things that I did, which I got ridiculed for, which is everyone was saying, it's all right for you because you got lucky in 2009. Now it's 2019 or whatever, right? Now it's 2020. But everyone's mm. saying, making excuses. So I started all over again from scratch. Yeah, I've seen your videos as I well. Did, I just said, okay, okay. I left my wife. I left my, my little girl, Ruby. We hadn't got Luke at the time. I cut myself off from my bank account. I went I've into, seen it. I've I went seen to, it. Yeah, yeah, I went into disguise. And I said, I'm start all, I'll start all over again. The disguise was terrible, by the way. It was very bad. <laughs> the, only reason I did, the, only, the only reason I did I wasn't going to do disguise... But people, people, when I was about to do it, people were saying, you know what they're going to say? They're going to say, you only did it because people knew who you were uh, and that's yeah, why yeah. you got the deal. So I'm like, right, I'll change my name. I'll change my identity. Watching those videos, I didn't get though. Why, why would they kick you out at some of those networking events once they knew who you was? Okay, so that only happened um, once. Yeah. Is that Samuel Leeds? Yeah. And you're like, oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that, that, I, got, I got kicked out of one networking event and um, that was... That was because I was undercover with Mike. Yeah, of course, I thought and, it was. And they were just like, whoa, what's going on? Yeah, it seemed you know, it. That's yeah. what I thought. But yeah, we're, we're cool, we're cool. Every, everyone's cool. That's amazing, though. Um, so talk to me a little bit about kind of your, your vision now, your dream now. What, what are you trying to do? Obviously, you talked about how you're trying to help people think in a certain, in a certain way with property, with finance, even with mindset, the, the, whole kind, the whole lot. What is your ultimate dream? So you've achieved so much at the age of 29. Say, when, what does your life look like when Samuel's 50? Mm. What's the big... I think really, at the moment, people leave school mm. and they think they've either got to go to university and, 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 and go down that route use their academic brain and get a job as a doctor, lawyer, solicitor, whatever. Or they can use their hands. They can go become an apprentice, become a builder, labourer. They can go down that route. Or they would just be a dropout. And I want to create in everyone's minds a third option, which is actually you can also be an entrepreneur. Mm. And I want people to leave school. What do you think of the word entrepreneur? I think it's it's a fine word. Hmm. Just because I... Like, just... When I first started my business, um, I go to a few like networking groups, yeah. you know, people starting businesses, and it just, it just seemed like everyone wanted to be an entrepreneur, but everybody just liked to pretend they was an entrepreneur. Yeah. Do you find that a lot? People come to you and yeah. say, Samuel, I want to do this, I want to do that, but yeah, then you're yeah. actually like, do you really? I'm an entrepreneur, right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah, you know what though? Firstly, I don't think that's a bad thing. That didn't used to be the case 10 years ago. No, it didn't. 10 years ago, it wasn't cool to be an entrepreneur. When I started out and I was 17, I was going to all these networking events. They were all old people. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm like, hey, I'm 17, I'm 18. It, it wasn't cool. 
Now, if you're an 18-year-old and you're going out networking and stuff, it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So the fact that there's a lot of entrepreneurs around, people that want to be an entrepreneur, I don't really see it as a bad thing. Is that part of the process again? I think so. Mm-hmm. At some point, you've got to be like, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to do... If it's cool to be an entrepreneur, as long as people then learn the process and that's mm-hmm. the start. But sometimes, uh, I mean, Dave, we talk about it a lot and say, do you actually realize how hard it is? Because it is hard, right? You have to think yeah. about it. I think Grant Cardone says four, four out of five millionaires work for somebody else, yeah. right? Um, and that's actually where I first ever seen you was when you was in Miami and you sat down with Grant Cardone. Wow. That was the first time I ever seen you. At that time, I was watching a lot of his content. I was like, God, there's a, there's a guy from Birmingham here. What's, what's going on? So then I researched you and then I, obviously I found a lot of your content and I, I related more to your content. I don't know whether it's because you was English more than I did kind of Grant Cardone's and maybe it was similarities in age as well. Um, how much money, not money, the exact money, but how much money do you invest in learning in your own personal development and your own growth, right? Because mm. I guess go and sit down with Grant Cardone, I don't know, probably wasn't going to be free. Um, or even any training programs you do, how much time and money and energy do you invest in your own personal Yeah, well, I, I, I sat down for free with Grant Cardone and did a YouTube interview with him and he came on my channel for free, but I, I dropped £200,000 with Grant Cardone. Wow. To get, to get his business input, his advice. Was that in Miami? Uh, that's ongoing. Okay. So I'm, st- I'm, I'm still getting support from Grant. He's a great guy. Um, I've invested millions <laughs> what about time now? How much time? I'm say? constantly, whenever I do something, I'll always ask these three questions. Am I learning? Am I earning? Or am I enjoying myself? Oh, say it again. Say it one more time. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm doing something ever, yeah. even this podcast, yeah. I'm going to say, am I learning? Am I earning? Mm. Or am I enjoying myself? If I'm not doing one of the three things, I'm not doing it. So can, can they all connect? Yes. Mm. Yeah, they can connect. So, so to answer your question, am, am I learning now? How much time? I don't even track it constantly. I'm always doing stuff to, to learn. I love even, that. Even f- I'm even doing things for free and not charging a fee for stuff when I'm doing it first time around mm. just to get the experience. So I've invested millions of pounds into my own education, personal development, and also to educate and train my staff. Um, and it's, it's, it's a continual process. And I think you can tell because you serve so much. As you said, you was on a call for an hour and a half before we even got here. We caught the last half an hour of it. And then you come in to do this for say an hour. Then you got something else for an hour after. You have to be learning. You have yeah. to be growing. Otherwise, you'd yeah. just be saying not just the same stuff, but um, it would be obvious. And, yeah. and people who follow you, people who love your work. It's soon, it'd be flat. Yeah, it'd be very flat. You know flat. what, though? I do a YouTube video every single day. Do you? Every yeah, day? Every it? day. Wow. And if people say, how do you do that? And the reason is because I'm constantly learning, earning, and enjoying myself. I got so much to say. The, the gas is never empty. I've got new ideas. I've got new projects going on. I've got new relationships mm. building and blossoming. And I've just got stuff to say. But it's, it's easy for Samuel Leeds to do a one YouTube video every day because he's a millionaire. What yeah. do you say to those people? Because I come, as you can imagine, in schools. Oh, sir, I want to be a YouTuber. Yeah. I want to do this. I want to do that. But I need to get this camera. Uh, but I need to do this. But I need to find this. I'm like, just pull it out. Yeah. So because in two years from now, you're probably going to look back. And it's probably going to be. It's probably going to suck. Yeah. But it is going to suck. It's gonna right? Suck real bad. Um, what would you say to those people who have excuses about saying putting out content, putting themselves out there? Mm. What would you say to them? Because I see that's one of the biggest things I see. Right. Yeah. So I want to do Instagram. I want to do YouTube. YouTube um, and you're putting content out every single day yeah. and they say oh it's easy for him he's a millionaire but it's not no I think I think what I would say a few things firstly is you just got to do it mm. uh, action is everything yeah and if you I mean I mean the the thing is everything is easy to do but it's also easy not to do <sighs> I love it so it's easy to do a podcast, really. Come on, let's face it. It's not that difficult. I mean, even if you've not got the nice setup like you've got and the cameras and stuff, mm. with, with mobile phones these days, you can just literally bang out a video. Anyone can do it. You can put it on YouTube for free. But for us, going back to your free things, yeah. most of the time, it connects all free. Yeah. So when I first started this, yeah. 
um, now we don't do normally people like you. You are somewhat a celebrity in what you do in your field. Um, and we don't normally go down that route anymore. Yeah. And here's why, right? So to begin with, I was like, okay, what are we doing? We get my friends who's a YouTuber, got 400,000. I'll get this Love Island person on. And yeah, we got all these people on. But I'm thinking, what am I doing? Am I trying to be popular or am I trying to be profitable, yeah. right? So I'm like, actually, what we need to do is I charge a lot of money. People say there's not much money in schools. There, where I go, I know exactly the boxes what need to get yeah. ticked. I'm fantastic at what I do. I'm the best at what I do. And because of that, I can charge what I charge. But I'm thinking, okay, where's the money? I think, I think Grant even says, where, where is the money? And from just even listening to, okay, the money is here, here, and here. So now we interview mostly uh, senior leaders, educational leaders within education, um, because that's where my money is. Yeah. And once they start putting that out into their network, my, the, the amount of interest I've had and the amount of sales I have made off the back of it, just even having that network and having that connection, even by putting a picture up on LinkedIn, mm. it comes up, people are like, oh, who's that guy? And that, that's the biggest shift for me is what am I trying to do? Am I yeah. trying to be popular or am I yeah. trying to be profitable? Yeah, it's true. And I'd rather have 100 million in a bank than 100 mil on my Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Although what, what, what I'll say is there is actually a bit of a correlation usually. There is, true. Because <laughs> I've, it's so funny. If, 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 my, um, if my YouTube is blowing up, Usually my bank's blowing up. Okay. Because, and there's honestly, it's crazy. That, what, what do you mean from that? Is that from just YouTube payments or is that from no. everything else? No, I don't even, oh, I don't even hardly have ads or anything on my channel. Mm. It, in fact, I've made £4,000 in AdSense on my YouTube channel. I haven't even claimed it's just sat in YouTube. Mm. I, I, it's nothing to do with that. Yeah. It's because money comes from people. Money doesn't come from property. You might buy a house, but it's the tenants that live in there. It's the investor. It's the it, money always comes from people, and if people know who you are, then you're going to get more money. Mm. That's why Grant Cardone, who's worth hundreds of millions, spends so much time doing social media. And yeah, and and for me, the reason I do social media is because yeah, sure, I, I want to help people. I want to inspire people. I enjoy it. But also, I know that the more people that know who I am. That's why I don't mind about getting criticized because I'm thinking at least they know who I am. At least they're talking about me. Mm. The more people who know you exist know that your products, your services. I get. I used to, six years ago, I used to hunt for property deals. I'm looking for deals. Hunt for investors. Now they come to me. I can imagine. Every, every, every hour I'm getting people, I've got a piece of land. I haven't got the money to finish it. Can you have a look at it? Oh, my, oh, my, 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 my parents have inherited some money and they want to invest it. Have you got any deals going on? Oh, it's like... I am the go-to guy. How do you manage that now then? Well, I've got a team. Mm. I've got staff. But I think that for me, being, being a YouTuber, having a podcast and stuff, I mean, for me, it wasn't profitable for many years. But then over time, it's actually something that can be quite lucrative. So I mean. if a kid says to me, I want to be a YouTuber, for me, I'll take that seriously. Like, okay, cool. For me, it's a very legitimate way to make money. Mm. But people probably in schools will think, oh, it's a pipe dream, but it's not a pipe dream. Mm. If it, you, might, you might not make millions, but it's not that difficult to be a YouTuber, but it just takes time. But the time that most people spend four years at university, if you spend that building your personal brand, yeah. it's just about what you want in life. There's no right or wrong, but everything is possible. It's true. When, when I, you believe and you follow the process. Yeah, and when I went to university, um, I was probably one of the only people in my class who had the goal and the vision to work for myself. Mm. So that's what, obviously, universities and a lot of places like that are teaching. Um, so, yeah, I think, and it's all about just taking that first step, isn't it? I yeah. think, and really trying to understand what you're trying to do. And I used to be called a motivational speaker before, but I went in prisons a lot. I think, do you know what? What I want to do, my vision is to deliver impact and value. And just going into a school, yeah, I could get paid great money for a day, go and do it. Yeah. But it didn't fulfill me. So that's why we've kind of created training programs, essentially. Created programs which generally do change a teenager's life. And it all comes down to also the business side. What am I trying to do? Am I trying to be popular or profitability? And I think that was the first decision I made. And it, yeah, they do play hand in hand. Mm. But I want to make sure I get my bank, my money right first before, you know... Yeah. Um, but I guess as far as the media stuff, that's why we do. I invest so heavily into this because it it pays dividends, man. Yeah, it, it really, really does. Um, so let me ask you a question. What What is the first step? Actually, let me ask you a personal question to me. I don't own a house yet. Um, 
we've got money in the bank, we're saving money up, and we're at a point now where we're looking to buy. I never understand when you say, or Grant Cardone says, don't, the house you live in, don't buy it. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Can yeah. you explain that whole philosophy? Because I'm trying my best to understand it, but I just can't. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether it's part of the way I've been brought I don't know. I, I don't get it. Yeah, I think, I think most people, just generally speaking, are financially not educated. So they might, they might be educated, they might be smart, but unless you're financially educated, a lot of things don't make sense around money. So the first thing you need to understand is the difference between an asset and liability. Mm. So an asset is something that makes you money. It's something that puts money into your pocket every month. A liability is something that doesn't put money into your pocket every single month. If you take your money, your savings, and you buy a house, is that actually putting money in your pocket every month? Mm. No, it's not. You're just living in there. Yeah. You, you might say, oh yeah, but I'm living in here, I'm using it, it's saving me from rent, but actually it's not putting money in your pocket. But if you invest in a property that you rent out, yeah. then you're renting it out, so you're getting money in your pocket. Makes sense. Yeah, but then the money you earn from that rent, the house you're buying to get rent back, then you're probably putting that money into the place you live, right? Yeah. Um, then there's not... If you, if you, the house you live in, if you're renting, does that not make it a liability then? Or is it a liability anyway? Well, it's going to cost you money, come what may, to live I in a house. I probably seem stupid to people no, who not know at all. property. For me, I just can't. No, just no, no. Not get... at all. Listen, it's going to cost you money to live, come what may. Yeah, good. It works out cheaper to rent a house where you live. That's why I'm an advocate for it. To rent a house where you live, it works out cheaper than to buy it. Because you, yeah, you might go, oh, no, no, no. Because if I buy it, the mortgage payments are actually cheaper than rent. Yeah, but you needed to tie up so much cash to buy it in the first mm. place. All that deposit that you had to put down. That might be a bit then. So commercially and financially, it makes sense to rent where you live and use all of your money to buy properties to rent out and not own your own house makes sense that's like a whole shift in belief though isn't it it is it is and and, and of course it's a personal decision mm. but it's it's a decision that I am a big advocate for mm. also we're in we're in a mindset now we have this whole idea that we need to own everything but mm. actually it's not about that for me it's like this house I don't own this house mm. And I'm, I'm a proud renter. I, I think I've watched one of your videos yeah. when you said that. And that's what kind of sparked the idea. But the thing is... So how much is this house worth? This house is worth probably just over three million. Mm. A few million pounds. I pay seven and a half thousand pounds rent. But if I had to buy this house, the deposit that I'd have to put down on this house, I can't justify it. I'd be better to invest it. And then the profits that I'm making, I'll rent. Mm. And for me, it's not about owning things. We're obsessed with owning things. For me, it's all about lifestyle. It makes no difference that I'm, whether I own it or I rent it. It's, I use it. <laughs> you know, so what's, what's the difference? But what about when you pass away? Yeah. Deep. Yeah. <laughs> what can you give to your kids? All of my investment properties, my castle that I own. Mm. All of, all, I've seen this castle. Explain a bit more. What's this castle project you're doing? I uh, bought a, a rundown castle in 2018. Where, where is it? In um, Worcestershire, Budley. Okay. See, that, that will be passed on to my kids. That was an yeah, investment. Yeah, yeah. But not, yeah. not where I live. See, this, this, this house is worth maybe three, three and a half million pounds. The castle I bought for... Easily. Eight, yeah, Easily. I, don't, I don't know exactly. But it doesn't matter because I wouldn't buy it. But the castle, I bought it for 800,000 pounds. Way cheaper. I'm spending, spending a few million on it. What's the goal? With the castle. Turn it into a luxury apartments and houses. The end value is 6.35 million. And uh, I'll then refinance it. Pull my money back out. Sell, sell, sell some of the apartments and some of the houses off. It's an investment. And the thing is, most people that so buy... financially, it doesn't make sense to buy this house. No. When you, whenever, you buy, whenever you buy something or invest in something, you need to do it strictly with your formulas, not with your feelings. So let me tell you something, right? When you go to, say pub yeah you go to the pub and you're a millionaire club round you know these houses as I said a minute ago yeah. are absolutely insane right it's the best houses I've ever seen yeah um, and I imagine some of these people they own their houses yeah do they first oh, I'm sure I'm sure they do yeah I mean you come along 29 say bad investment 
Yeah. How do people take that? That type of information and being like, actually, do you know what? I think because you, you're bringing a whole different idea to play. Yeah. Where we're just all brought up to think, but it's a process once again. Yeah. But everybody's process is slightly different, and it doesn't make it right or wrong. However, people's process, okay, you get married, buy your first house, and then you get on a property ladder. Yeah. Right. But you're coming with a complete different form. Yeah. In a way. Well, well, I think that it. It just, it opens people's minds up. They have to question it. I wouldn't expect anybody to just listen to what I say. My job is just to make people think and open up their minds. Oh, I like that. I'm not telling people what to do. I'm just saying, hey, this is actually financially smarter. At least think about it. Mm. But what most people do is they go to school. They get, they, they, most people go to school and all they want to do is get good school grades. Then they get grades. Then they want to go to university and they want to get the best degree they can get. Then they want to get a good job for life. Then they get a good job for life. Then they want to save up money and put it away safely in the bank. Then when the money builds up, they then buy their house. They then buy a house. They will then want to pay the mortgage off as quickly as possible. They pay the mortgage off as quickly as possible. And then if they're lucky, if they've done well, by the time they're in retirement, they buy a second investment property. Then you die. No, but, 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 <laughs> but then, well, te- yeah, I mean, you do. Yeah. But they, cause, and it's like a dangled carrot. All, all your life, it's like, you can have this one day, you can have this one day, you can have this one day. I'm like, no, 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 forget that. Don't save up three million to live in that mansion. Just rent it now. Just rent it. You know, you can, you can have things much quicker. You don't have to, you don't have to save. For the average person to, 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 to buy this house, to live in and then pay the mortgage off, my goodness, they'll be lucky if they do it by the time they're 67. Just rent it quickly. And then, and then, and then package and sell some deals and pay the rent. And, and, and stop waiting until retirement. One day, one day. Everybody lives but, their life yeah. though. Every, here's the thing. Everyone lives their life looking forward or looking back. So it's like, feel good Friday. Why? Because it's one step closer to Saturday. And then on mm-hmm. Saturday, they run around doing errands. Sunday, they sleep and recharge back to work on Monday. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then, but don't worry because one day I'll retire. Mm. I'll retire on 40% of what I couldn't afford to live on in the first place after working 40 years for 40 hours a week. Mm. That's the 40, 40, 40 scam. Right, but one day, one day, one day, one day. I'm not about one day, I'm about today. So, not only does it financially make sense, but you get a much better lifestyle. You hurt a lot of people's feelings, man. Yeah, probably. But it makes sense. And you're doing it. And the bottom line is you're doing it and you're very positive, you're happy. And it makes it hard to argue. I can't, I can't. And I've always just figured it out because I feel like I've heard so many people say it. And I've, I feel like sometimes it's the right thing to do, but I'm just trying to, in my head, mm. for it to make financial sense. With that said, what do you think to like help to buy and stuff like that? I think it's a sham. Why? Dave, can you pass my phone as well? If you've got a second, I've just got a few. Carry on, mate, talk it. Yeah. Help, help to, to buy. buy. Yeah. What, what's your... <laughs> yeah. What's your thought? I think help to buy is a sham because what effectively help to buy is is what well, anything <laughs> you're probably going to really hate me saying this <laughs> not all, carry on. <laughs> anything that is the government helping you out usually stinks <laughs> because because here's the thing right let me talk about help to buy and that's a big statement but let me explain what help to buy is help to buy your face when I said that. No, no, I've heard it though. I, I remember because we were looking at a house in uh, yeah, yeah, a, yeah. a Bellaway home and uh, truth be told, um, the reason why we couldn't do it, a house was worth 370000 yeah. and the help to buy was taken off 70000 off of it. Yeah. And basically my business has been running two years, legitimately. Yeah. Um, and the first year's book... <laughs> Should have said that. <laughs> the first year, the first year books wasn't good enough. Yeah. And now, in my last two years, is exactly yeah. what they need to be. If cool. not more. Um, Let me tell you, help to buy is first. So help to buy is basically the government lending you most of the deposit. Seven. Yeah. Well, was it 20 percent? Yeah. So like normally, when you buy a house, you might put down 20 percent deposit, depending on. If it's, if it's buy to let might be a bit more, depending on the house. Yeah, the help to buy it was, help to buy, it was just, something like 10% deposit. Yeah. And then they take off. You normally pay 5% mm. yourself. And then they'll put down 10, 15%. So what that's doing is it's making it much easier for you to buy a house. Mm. So that's the, the way that it's packaged up. But what happens is, number one, the money that the government give you to buy the house is not a gift, it's a loan. So you have to pay it back. And you have to pay it back with interest. 
So that's the first thing. So it's not much different from just getting a, a bank to give you a higher percent loan to value. So that's the first thing that I want to note. But the second thing that is that's really interesting is when you buy a house via help to buy, there's restrictions. So you can't rent the house out. You have to live there yourself. You, it only works for a new build property. Yeah, so it's new build. You can't rent it out. Yeah. For how long? Forever. Forever? I think, I think, I think so, yeah. I don't think you can rent it out until you've paid them back. So, so whilst it is making yeah, it easier to buy a house, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's restrictions around it. Now, why do I say it's a sham? It's a sham because I'm on the other side of help to buy as a developer. And I'm just going to say, say it as it is. As a developer... Say it with your chest, man. I'm going to say it as it is. As a developer, my job... I just built six houses, okay? And I've sold some of them off now. And, I, you know, built... I, I've got a lot of friends who are developers, build houses, sell the houses off. Guess who they sell the houses off to? They sell the houses off as new build houses to people doing help to buy scheme. Guess what they do? They inflate the price because they know that they can get more because the suckers that are buying via help to buy will pay more because they're hardly putting any of their own money into it. So what's happening, <laughs> what's happening with help to buy is really it's not help to buy. It's not helping the buyers, it's helping the developers and all of the rules and everything that's all in place is always to help the rich and not the poor. But it's packaged up and disguised as though it's helping the poor. Help to buy, section 21, all of the rules, all of the things that the government bring in, it's, to make, it's actually to help the rich. And it helps me out. It does, it does make, it, it, it makes sense. And I feel like, why are they always building these big new houses? Well, not even big houses. Why are they building yeah. all these new houses? And um, they all help to buy. They've got all these, like, you know, things to help you buy your first house. But they're all in the same area. They're all new houses. But then there's loads of other houses which are for sale. Because they want to help the developers and shift. It's, it, does, it just seems like a big government scheme between these big companies yeah. and, and the government. Exactly. They want to help the big boy developers shift their stock fast and for the highest prices possible. And they'll squeeze the poor man that can't even afford to buy a house. And get as much as they can. But the poor man doesn't even realise that he has to pay the government back. It's a loan. Damn, bro. So, you know, all of these things. It's like when George, Os George Osborne brought out the Section 24, which basically crippled a lot of landlords, and all the landlords were complaining about it, and it was saying you can't claim your mortgage interest payments as tax deductible. And I said at the time, when they brought this in, I said in 2016, it's actually going to cripple the tenants, it's going to cripple the poor, it's going to help out the rich. And what they did was, what they, what they did was they, it's ex exactly what I said, they said, oh, apart from if you're buying through a company. So all the big boy developers, big boy investors didn't affect them. And all it did is pushed up rents. It, it crippled the poor and it helped the rich. And there's a bigger divide between rich and poor. The rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer. And that's only going to get further and further. And I don't like it. I think it's unfair. I think it's... I, I think can tell you don't like it. No, I don't like it. Because, I benefit because, from it. Yeah, but that's, that's what I'm saying. But that's what you, I love actually about you is you're like... Holy, I benefit from it. I'm playing the game, yeah. but you're also making everyone aware of it. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Why wouldn't you play the game? You yeah. can help a lot more people when you've got more money in your pocket. Yeah. Because, but then obviously a lot of people who have money, they don't think necessarily think the same as you. But the fact that you're so open, you're honest, and you're like, this is how it works. Come on, wake up. Yeah. And I, 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 I benefit from it. And, and, and you can't help the poor by being poor. Mm. So I'm, I, I don't make the rules. I just follow the rules. So I'm benefiting from everything. But at the same time... It's crippling people. Okay, let me ask you a question. Um, this is from my friend called Will, um, William Gleed. And he says, um, ask him <laughs> if he thinks a first buy to let is better to be a HMO or family rental. Um, so yeah, what do you think to that? Firstly, what is a HMO for everyone who doesn't know? So a HMO is when you, when you buy a house that you rent out on a room by room basis. Yeah. And I would say it depends on... It's probably okay. It's, it usually makes sense when you're starting out in property to start with something small and simple and then to build and get bigger and bigger as you go. So, HMOs are better, but if it's your first one, is there less risk in a HMO? It depends. With a HMO, you're renting out the rooms, so you're getting more cash flow, but then there's regulations, there's higher management. There's so many people I know who's got a couple properties, right? Yeah. They, got, they, they, they own the house they live in, but then they got one or two properties, yeah. which brings in an income. And I know one, one um, 
one person I know, the person didn't move out and then they was there, went through court and they was there for six months without paying rent. Yeah. And you see that all the time, right? And they kind of make, they scare you on the, on the TV and make, yeah. oh, this happens all the time. It doesn't happen all the thing. time. They scare you on the TV because the, the system doesn't want you to do it. Mm. They, they are anti-landlords, anti-regular person becoming rich. Mm. And that's why they scare you on the TV. And it does happen, but not much. I can count on one hand the amount of times, and I've had hundreds of tenants, but I can count on one hand the amount of times that someone's been in there six months and refused to move out, and it doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. Mm. There are risks. Yeah, okay. Um, I don't know if I do know your answer, actually, Um, but where is the best place to buy property in the UK with a budget of 150k? There isn't one particular best place, but what you'll find is when you go up north, houses are a lot cheaper. (laughs) Also, sometimes the rents aren't even that much cheaper. Like sometimes, like, okay, you live in Bristol, right? Mm, everything's really rude. Everything will be, if you, to buy a four-bed house in Bristol will probably cost you half a million pounds. At yeah, least. Depends, yeah. Well, I, li- I live in a place called uh, Yates. And because you've got the M5 one yeah. side, you've got the M4 the other side. Um, it's got a big town, ta- like a town. It's a nice area. The council's good. Um, yeah, you're looking at a four, a four five-bed house. And yeah, easily. Half easy. a million, maybe a million. You buy a house around here. Four-bed house where I live, you're probably talking two mil. Wow. They don't do houses that aren't mansions here. <laughs> it's very rare. I literally, we literally said it on the way in. Yeah. I've here, never seen so many big houses but here's something in interesting. one place. Here's something interesting. If you were renting out a house in Bristol by the room, you'd probably get about four to five hundred pounds for a room yeah, you were. in Bristol. Yeah, that's right. If you rented a room out where I live which is obviously the houses are probably three times the price, you'd be talking four to five hundred pounds a month to rent a room. Mm-hmm. If you went to Warsaw, which is where I grew up, which is a dump, and you can buy houses for a hundred grand there, you'd be talking four to five hundred pounds okay. to rent a room. So sometimes there's no direct correlation between the house prices and the rents. So what you want to do as an investor is you want to buy low and rent high. And what did you say before? Make the decisions based on... Formulas, not feelings. Formulas, not feelings. Yeah. So in other words, I might say, I want to buy a house in Buckinghamshire because it's nice and it will give me that approval. It's got good schools. And, yeah, and my family will like me for it. They'll be impressed. I don't want to buy a house in Warsaw and rent out, but actually it's going to get me the same rent in Warsaw as it would in Buckinghamshire, but I'll buy it for a fraction of the price. The return on investment is so much better in Warsaw. Mm. I got you. So much to think about, especially yep. with this whole... I'm at a stage now and obviously where I'm, I'm about to make a decision on, yeah. on what we're doing. And it's fascinating. Okay, say for example, you had you, you had a good wage. Yeah. You had relatively good business and you had 30 to 40K in the bank. What would you do? If I had 30 to 40 grand in the bank, I would probably want to... Speaking for a friend, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I'd probably want to buy a house in an area that I knew. Mm. Um, I'd, I'd get to know the area and I would buy a house that I could add value to maybe buy the, the, the worst house in the best street the worst house in the best street I would then f- with a problem maybe the problem could be that there's, there's, um, there's no it's not mortgageable because there's no hot water running I would buy I would then fix that problem and then I would then refinance the house okay would you live in it or would you just continue renting um, that, if if you buy if you buy a house and live in it and then this friend yeah <laughs> family's growing so we're gonna have to move out of the, yeah. the place we're in I mean there are advantages to living in it uh, I don't live in my investment properties if you buy a house and live in it mm, and then you I don't fix want to, yeah. Yeah, but if you do if you buy a house that's run down and then you fix it up and then you sell it but you lived in it you don't pay any tax okay which is kind of cool. Mm. Whereas if you don't live in it, it's then seen as a business investment. Even if it's your first one? You don't pay tax if you live in it. But even if you didn't live in it and it was still your first kind of... If it's of- your first one, well, you, you, I'm not a tax advisor. I can't mm. finance advice. But generally speaking, you don't pay any tax up to the first £11,000. Okay. And then thereafter, of course, you mm. can then start paying tax. But yeah, you'll pay tax even if it's your first one, assuming that you make more than eleven grand. You can do things as well. Like you can, if you've got a spare bedroom in your house, you can rent it out and you don't pay tax up to, up to the first seven and a half thousand pounds. Mm. It's called bedroom tax relief. So you can rent rooms out in your house and you don't pay tax. Mm. Even if you're a high rate t- taxpayer, you don't pay tax. Again, 
check check it all out with an accountant because I can yeah, only of course. experience. Yeah, of course. But um, yeah, there's 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 um, there's really cool things you can do. And there's no one right or wrong answer. That's when people say to me things like, "Where's the best city to invest in? Where's mm. the best?" It's like it depends on. There's so much. And that, that, that's what makes you also an expert at what you do. And that, what, that's what happens sometimes when schools come to me. I'm like, oh, what? If you're doing six days in our school, can you break down every single day what you're going to do before you do it? I'm like, well, I could. But the truth is, every school, every group is different, right? And until I come in and do the first one or two days, I'm not going to know what I'm going to do in three and four because it, it's, it's not about giving them what they want, it's giving them what they need. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what so actually I, makes you an expert at what you do is because you're not saying, yeah, you need to do this, 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 and this. Yeah. It's actually, you're like, it depends. Exactly. Um, yeah. But anyway, Samuel, I just want to say a massive thank you for your time today. You're welcome, I bro. think it's a, a great conversation and hopefully we can do a part two. Yeah, sure. Um, soon. And I think I'm definitely going to apply some of the advice you have given today, especially to my... To my life, I'm actually probably going to show it to my wife and be like, see what he says. Because <laughs> once again, but it's all what we, we it's all we've known. It's all yeah. what her parents have done, my parents have done, what other people have done. It's all what we know, right? You buy your first house, you live in it, this and that, and, and that's the house you, you stay in. Um, but for me, the goal is to have freedom, same as you. I want to travel, I want to go doing different things, and I want, I want nice things as well. Yeah. Why not? I work bloody hard. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to do what you said a 40-40 or something 40-40-40 scam yeah I'm not I'm not into that nah um, but yeah once again I would say where can people find you but what I'll actually do is put all your social medias everything below cool um, if if you get your PA to send me anything you guys want me to push any of your educational programs I'll make sure I'll put all the links and stuff cool, in, in the bio and stuff like that but once again thank you my man awesome bro I appreciate it Cam there you go, guys. Well, fantastic podcast. And of course, something slightly different today. And it was something I actually felt like I needed. I mean, Samuel's 29, less than a year older than me. And it puts things in perspective. And I think sometimes you have to put yourself in a different environment to understand things. And you have to be, you have to be pushed to think bigger. I think that is so key. And I think I'm also going through that now in my business as, I, as I'm growing, thinking about bringing other people on board too. So um, it was definitely needed. So thank you, my man. And remember, guys, you have two options. You can either have excuses or you can have results, but you cannot have both. So make sure you like, comment, share, and I will see you on the next podcast. Peace.